could walk almost any club. You could be drinking in the, in the mission and you could walk down and see a show at the bottom of the hill. Be at the bottom of the hill in 15, 18 minutes, smoke a joint on the way there. In the bus. 25 minutes, not even take the bus. Just walk uh, down just there, walk, drinking yeah. beer with your friends, whatever. That was bartender Pete Spanier. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. We're doing something a little bit different at this episode. This is... Uh, Michelle Kilfeather, a photographer, Storied SF. Yeah, you've heard Michelle before the last yep. episode we did. Once or twice, yep. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, we pour our hearts and soul into this project, and we wanted to uh, just both briefly introduce this guy, Pete. Um, so I've known Pete for 20 years. A uh, long-time bartender at the Hemlock, uh, bartends with me now at Ember Norton Boozeland and at Zeitgeist, and uh, we did the photography at Boozeland while he was bartending on a rainy Sunday. It was a lot of fun. He's a super cool guy. Yeah, I feel like any time anyone in San Francisco, you can say long-time anything, it's going to be interesting, and Pete yeah. definitely has a lot to say about bars and the tenderloin and kind of the bar industry in san francisco so Definitely. he is old school yes he is so here's pete growing up my mom was from southern california my pop was from pennsylvania and they ended up meeting here where i was born upper hate do you know what brought them here or what brought your dad here dad joined the navy to, to uh Dad joined the Navy. I'm not exactly what, sure why, or I don't remember why. And, but uh, willingly, he wasn't drafted. Willingly, yeah. he, he joined the Navy. And uh, he ended up being uh, discharged out here. was uh, friends with my uncle, who was dating an aunt of mine, and had him come out, and he ended up meeting my mom. And you said your mom's from, from Southern California. Yeah. What brought her here, do you know? School. Oh. College student. Yeah, there's a few of those here. Yeah. Okay, so that's how they were here. Right. And then they had you. They were hanging out and, you know, mom got pregnant. Yeah. I got born. Mm. And uh, how was that being born? Do you remember? Not a stitch of it. <laughs> nothing, nothing about being born. Yeah. Uh, do I remember? Right. But I uh, got them together. They got married after that. Mm hmm. And uh, a couple of years later, they ended up moving down to Southern California, and I was raised up and down California from then on out till I got back here at 21, well, a little before 21, but I wasn't living here at the time, but I was drinking here. Right. 21 is an age when you maybe start to do shit on your own, so did you come on your own, or did you come with your family? I or? definitely came on my own. I had yeah. friends down here, too, yeah. which they helped. Gave me a month in their place to get my shit together. Once I got to the city, and I was like, we got a closet. You had a month to fucking get a job and get your own place. That's the way they ran that place. It's a perfect way to do it. That is. And uh, I ended up living there uh, years later. That was a place that was called Beer Mecca down in Southern, uh, down in Fillmore Street, uh, Lower Haight. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a wild, interesting flat all college students, some of them brew beer. I think at one point we had close to potentially 70 gallons capacity, mm -hmm. give or take 10 gallons. And this is before brewing beer was 
cool. And you it was coming just... in its own. Toronado was still like a young bar. I mm-hmm. hadn't hit a 10-year anniversary yet. Mm-hmm. I think they were, at that time, four or five years old. And the drinking scene here was, was blowing up. Yeah. Uh, Lower Hate still used to be a predominantly black community. And was awesome back then. Wait, by, uh, what year was this? Early 90s. Okay. I mean, we roughly did the math. That's good enough. Yeah. Yeah, just to set the scene. Okay. 91, maybe. So you came back at 21. 90. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Um, came back at 21, and, and then... I mean, the 90s were a great, great time to be here, because there was still a lot of... Uh, one of the best times to get music around here. There was clubs. Almost every neighborhood had a club that you can go see live music in. Even music that you might be interested in or not interested in. You could find a lot of stuff. Right. Uh, the bars were wide open. Drinks were cheaper. <laughs> sure. And the town was off the hook back then. Did you know that it was a special place or, or is it mostly in hindsight that you're like oh fuck it was yeah because so I had spent a little stint down in Southern California and fucking hated that place yeah. I just found it boring and pretentious and spread out and to get into the San Francisco where everything's like you could get shit based and it didn't matter because everything was just a cab away and the cab wasn't that much money if you were too wasted to take public transit which would happen <laughs> quite often or you'd yeah. just be too lazy yeah yeah, you can walk, you can take a bus, you can take a, it's 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 easy. You can walk to almost any club. You could be drinking in the in the mission and you could walk down and see a show at the bottom of the hill. Be at the bottom of the hill in 15, 18 minutes, smoke a joint on the way there. In the bus. 25 minutes, not even take the bus, just walk uh, down just there walk, drinking yeah. beer with your friends, whatever. Mm-hmm. So you knew you you knew it was kind of special at the time. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it was Different than any of the cities I'd ever been to. Yeah. And easy to get along at. And then what happened? I'm feigning ignorance. <laughs> uh, no, but I do I do want to hear your thoughts. Like, what, you know? Yeah, I mean... It's not that city anymore. It's definitely not. I mean, on, a, on any given night, you know, you could be getting into a fight, and that was cool, too. You know, it was just one of those things. You'd be out with your friends, drinking, and another group of people, shit talking, and you'd just fight. Wasn't a bad thing. Wasn't horrible. Now, nowadays, people are way more softer than it used to be around here, mm-hmm. and more apt to be uh, more passive aggressive than right. anything else. Is is what the city has turned into, mm-hmm. and I find a, a lot of the. The new people that have moved here, unfortunately, just don't have thick enough skin, and they like to bark a lot, and when it comes down to brass tacks, then they're the first ones to say, you know, you use a derogatory term against them, even though you hadn't, because you won that fight. In in those aspects, the city's been kind of sad, and that we're losing a lot of the culture with the music scene, the art scene is, is getting... The art scene, meaning the artists that used to be here and the amount of artists that used to be here aren't here anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't have the spaces to utilize for their, their works. Would you include music in, in that? Would I include of, what? Well, would you include music in like the... Music, the yeah. Art? No, yeah, mu- yeah. It's music. That's everything from painting. I mean, if you're one of those painters that paints on a huge scale, and I'm talking like 
15 foot canvases and stuff like that where are you going to find in san francisco that you can paint nowadays it's just something that you can't do yeah and that's unfortunate but it's also part of evolution of cities period from Mm -hmm. when they started to how they become if you go back in history all cities develop and change depending on what what generation and what the time dictates and needs Mm -hmm. i mean my parents grew up in a time where you're basically like the american dream was it was after world war ii and the american dream is everybody's supposed to have 2.5 kids a garage a car you know a home in the suburbs a dog a white picket fence and that was like that for decades and now it's mm-hmm. the the whiplash people are moving out of smaller communities in the and the suburbs and moving into the cities which is totally changing the dynamics of it right do you think san francisco is a city of extremes though like like these changes like you said like they, they happen everywhere and they happen all the time but don't you think the change the changes here and the do you, do you think it's extreme or uh it's our turn you know it's the way i look at it. it's our turn you got we ended up getting the tech industry coming just south of here and setting up shop which brought a lot of money in not that california was really hurting for money considering that we were still probably in the top 10 economies in the entire world but it changed the dynamics and stuff and how fast technology has taken off made a huge impact on what's going on in the bay area and what's going on beyond the bay area just in california alone rents going up everywhere and and different communities changing up i mean los angeles downtown los angeles essentially is being revitalized because of this Mm -hmm. the areas that were skid row and just real slummy they're now becoming important artist hubs and they're cleaning up and you know and, and different communities starting to pop up down there because of affordability and that's mm-hmm. direct i see it as something directly correlated to the tech industry coming to the sure. bay area you know had it had it pop down say i don't know atlanta how would that have affected over there mm-hmm. and change stuff up differently or baltimore what if it hit in baltimore how would how would their economics completely have been changed because of it right. Do you see that? I, I feel like I see that in the Bay Area. And a lot of the people that come here, I, I see a lot of the people that come here, and it's just my personal opinion, is that, that uh, they come here and they, they haven't lived any life. They're young, which not to say that young people haven't lived any life. I did a lot of shit by the time I was turning 30. So that's a, that's, that might even come up in, in our conversation. But I see a lot of them, it's they basically went from living with mom and dad to going to a college in a dorm situation and then maybe a roommate or a frat situation. And then after that, they get out, they get hired on at Google or, you know, Apple or any of those larger companies that basically have campuses and they got everything, you know, it's like you, they've got cafeterias, you know, they got break rooms that got, if you're from the Midwest, they got those weird snacks that, you know, you can only find in the mood Midwest. I don't know, moon pies, whatever you, you got out there. We don't got it in California. You can get it now, though, just working for the right company. But, and the buses where you'll always be connected. That was they part of it. We had all those people that were, they wanted to live in the city. You know, once they got down... So down near San Jose, they were like, this is not what I was looking for. And 
So it was natural. They, they were all moving up to the city and they were getting subsidized. So it changed a lot. Yeah, it's, it's still like they're living at mom and dad's house in, in a lot of weird ways. And those of you that are making it right now and are going to call bullshit on that, that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, good times. I want to I hear about your bartending gigs for sure. Right um, when I met you, I think I met you at the Hemlock. Pro, I think so that, I would, that, would, that would pretty much be it. Is that where you started bartending? No, not at all. Uh, let's, let, let, then let's talk about your bartending history. Bartending history... Did uh, it start in San Francisco? Yeah, it, 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 yeah. Definitely started in San Francisco. Well, was, if it started before then, then I was working illegally in a bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, realistically, I was working over at Casanova Lounge and uh, part-time at a club called... What the fuck was that place called? Uh, 550 Barnveld, I do believe was the name of 550 Barnveld, 500 Bar 550 Barnveld, which was an interesting club. Um, they would just open up on weekends, would have theme nights and stuff like that. So you could get anything from like a gangster night to like boys' night or culmination of different nights, hip hop nights and graffiti nights, whatever. They were more of a club like that. And then uh, Casanova, I think most people are going to know, is a smaller bar that's kind of an institution down in the Mission District. Uh, lovely velvet, uh, velvet art. Yeah, definitely lovely velvet black, art. Black light art. Uh, Don and Lene have great taste. Very great taste. And a good collection. That's why you yeah. can periodically see stuff change. But yeah. I do believe they keep it pretty consistent other than the front window. Yeah. That was 20 years ago, you know, and I originally, you know, uh, came on as a request to a friend just to do the door and then they ended up like kind of cycling through a couple of bartenders and I just kind of stepped in started working there a few years later uh, Don and a few other investors went in and purchased Hemlock Tavern and that's Don from uh, Don from Casanova Lounge okay was one of the, one of the main investors okay for Hemlock Tavern. And um, yeah, so he had to staff it out and he hired some new staff and he brought some of the old staff over and we started that up 17 years ago. So you were there from the beginning? Yeah, very beginning. How was it? I mean, it was interesting, you know. Uh, first of all, establishing a, a new bar in, in an area takes a little bit of time. You know, yeah, they they had their their angle. They had the live music, and we're gonna go for that and start booking, getting bands in, and doing really well with that. Bringing in all sorts of acts that have gone big time, big acts that decided they wanted to play in a small place and go kind of quiet and do a nice small show, things like that. And Who did the booking originally? Tony Bedard. Tony Bedard, really great guy. Uh, smart man. Well, he's doing well, I think. I know he's, he's working at a few other places right now. Mm -hmm. Just uh, keeping booking alive and trying to keep music going in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. Get those uh, get those kids out there that are up and coming with their music. So was it? Um, you said it, it was like. I think it's it's true that it's probably a little difficult getting a bar a brand new bar established. The, uh, anywhere but yeah the hardest part is being consistent and getting those those regulars if it's not yeah. for your regulars like 
I don't, you know, unless you're specifically just going to open at nighttime and do music. If you're going to be open during the day, it's all about your regulars. Every one of them that come in, like, they're, they're your big support, you know. Because on the slow days when nothing's going on, they're the ones that are in there spending money and enjoying the place. And, you know, a lot of times when it came down to music time, a lot of them would get out. They just treated the bar as their bar till nighttime. And then it was just like, I got to share it with everybody else, which is cool. And they knew what they were getting into. And so, so Hemlock opened in 2000, what? 2001. 2001. Um, Polk Street then, it had already changed. I mean, it, yeah. Polk Street was already gentrifying a lot by that point. Right. Like, I mean, back in the days when it was the giraffe and Polk Street was a little different, you had like the young boys tricking in the hemlock alleyway and doing what what they did back in the 90s and shit like that and then like there was definitely other scenes going down in the area and they slowly all those bars got bought out went away um Really, like the only originals I can think in the area back from those days that from the, the 70s, 80s, from the 80s basically are probably the cinch is the only one left on Polk Street. And then right around the corner from Hemlock would be uh, Divas. Those are like the only two from that bygone era of, of the old, the old, um, the old scene out there with the bathhouses and stuff and just everybody partying and having a good time. That's all yeah. changed up. Yeah, and that had already changed when Hemlock opened. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it, it had changed a lot from what it was like in its heyday, but it, it still was predominantly like a mixed neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And now it's definitely become much more straight. Mm-hmm. Um, less sex workers are in the mm-hmm. area. And, uh, you know, everybody's getting pushed down more deep into the TL as far as like... Uh, what that scene used to be like right and you don't even see it in the tenderloin hardly anymore you know it's just uh the way the city's kind of being changed up mm-hmm. but back in the days like with with the hemlock first open you know it was it was hey i gotta give it credit it was pretty punk rock like that was a yeah. place that you go to you can get a solid drink for a solid dollar and that wasn't a bad thing you could see great music Back in, in the old days, they had a pool table, which was never not a source of entertainment. Right. I can't, there's so many fights I'd broken up over <laughs> fucking people that thought they were really fucking good at pool and fighting other people. It was ridiculous. And it literally got to the point where they were trying to figure out how to calm down some of the bad blood that people get when they're from different neighborhoods or they're from that neighborhood and Everybody gets a little bit of Dutch courage in them, and they start talking shit. And <laughs> I want to go, you know, they want to start a fight. I'd have to get them outside. I really, back in those days, I really didn't care about the fights. Just don't do it in the bar, right? It's like, come on, yeah. We get it. And I, I want to be real, man. I would taunt some of those groups, getting them out, like dragging two guys out at the same time. Like, you guys fucking has to sit out here. <laughs> Whoever is done can hang out. And they're not gonna get back in. They didn't know that, but it was just like, oh yeah, man, the bartender's real cool. We got respect for him. <laughs> Fucking take care of this shit outside. Yeah. And uh, did never, that happen a lot? Never, at the never I mean, it didn't happen. I don't. I don't really think 
it happened any more than any other bars, right. really, that, that had more of a... More of a mixed crowd, more of rowdy crowds at times, and, also, a, and a pool table. I mean, like it's it, also a big bar. It's a big bar, it's but a big you know, space. but as as long as I've been drinking in bars, one thing I have discovered: I've probably been in in more fist fights because of a I was playing at a pool table than I have at a bar with no pool table where I was just drinking next to somebody that's a total asshole. <laughs> so it all goes back to the pool table. In a lot of ways, it's a great instigator. It really sure. is. It really is. People sure. are delusional about themselves, and and pull bring brings out the worst in them. I think. Then they had the liquid courage <laughs> flowing. The liquid courage. Yeah, and it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. And they, you know, they got rid of that. And I, I will say, it definitely it calmed it down as far as the petty shit went. Right. You know, uh, less less petty crap going on at the bar. It meant more of a good time for everybody else. Can you talk about the uh, the smoking room? Mm-hmm. When did that come about? Because if it's 2001, I mean, I don't even know if it was still legal, but there were bars around town where it's like, oh, go to, uh, you know, go to Place Bigal or go to this place where you can, go to the phone right. booth where you can smoke, wink, wink. So back, back when the no smoking laws first started going down and then bam, like they hit. Everybody's Would like, that have oh. been the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. 2000s? Fuck. Maybe the 90s? I, you know, it's... It, no, it was in the 90s, I'm I guess. I'm thinking it's 90s. It's all a blur. I'm old. I'm losing my mind. But um, when the, the smoking thing went down, the city was generally ignoring it for a long time. We were making ashtrays out of coast, coasters. <laughs> just didn't matter. Yeah. Then they really started cracking down, and everybody started knuckling under. Now, a few places... For instance, Zeitgeist, um, let's see, uh, Bottom of the Hill, uh, Parkside, places that had patios. Like, they were kind of exempt from stuff like that. And one of the things that Hemlock Tavern had was their smoking room, which basically, in the eyes of San Francisco and the way it was designed, was basically an enclosed patio. So that put it into that kind of gray area. So as the smoking laws started to tighten down, and it was like, no, 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 no. Certain places, because of what they had going and stuff like that, and the space that they had, were you were allowed to go lobby at City Hall. And what happened is Hemlock Tavern was one of the places that got grandfathered in. And that's how they were able to avoid the smoking ban that other bars have to deal with was because of their enclosed patio. And that's because the room itself, the patio, uh, was open to the street. It was, op- right? it was open to the street. You couldn't get in through the street. You could not get into the street. But. It was open to the street. Um, and then there are a few other uh, things to make it legal. Certain dimensions of that space. Mm-hmm. The fact that they were intake vans, which would basically were pulling air from the bar into the smoking room to ensure that the smoking room was not putting any smoke into the bar. To protect everybody's health, because that's what liquor is good for. That was bartender Pete Spanier. Check back Thursday for part two from Pete. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date on everything we do. All past episodes are up on our website, storiedsf.com, and wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If that happens to be Apple Podcasts and you have a minute to spare, please rate and review the show for us. Send comments or suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.